0: hello and god bless you this is pastor jeremy and what a delight to be with you on this monday september the 21st of 2020 we are so delighted once again to come again to you as we start fresh this week of september 21st a lot of again a lot of interesting things happening around the world and so forth so we are so happy though that we can come to you with the word of god we believe the word of god contains the answer and answers the questions that all of us may have as always it is a privilege to uh, have the listeners come and join us to have you and uh, join us on this intimate uh, time in this podcast where we speak of the oracles of god and we thank you that you could spend this time with us studying and pursuing God in this hour. Today in our panel, we are so privileged to have uh, uh, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando. As always, it is a pleasure to study the Word of God together, and we are ready. We are ready to get into the Word, Brother Marty. As always, um, Mondays, I like to say it's it's the day where we we set the tone for the week. Amen. And there are always important studies and things that God gives us And and it it propels us uh, through the week. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together.
1: Amen. We've been uh, looking at the the bringing up of the presence of the Ark of God. We kind of diverted a little bit on Friday as we felt inspired by the Lord to, uh, to, to begin to speak about walking with him, the journey that we all take. And the process of the Holy Spirit in in dealing with His people and dealing with us as individuals, and we were able to explore some some things there that I, we pray helped you, uh, as they as they help us to continue to to uh, to grow in the things of the Lord and, and to rely upon His goodness and grace in all things. These are extraordinary times that we find ourselves living in. And again, uh, you know what we sense and what we know is that that the heat of, of, uh, of the times as well as, uh, you know, what God is doing. We believe with his children, all of us are up under, uh, an intensity of the times, you know, we've gone through (laughs) 2020 has been so extraordinary that, you know, we, we were hit with so many events in rapid succession, but it's quite amazing the human condition. If you think about it, you know, we go through these incredible things that, that we've been going through, and yet <clears throat> there's times in it uh, over this summer where it seemed as if there there'd be two or three days of a lull, uh, a quote unquote lull. But really, it's just that we've been seeing so much. There's almost a fatigue that's been setting in on people, uh, you know, both in the secular world and in the religious world. But uh, amongst it all, uh, everything's being inspected, everything's being tried, everything's being shaken. And so, don't be deceived if there's a sense in your spirit that, oh, you know, it's kind of like settling down. It really isn't. It's it's more of a, it's it's just a sense, uh, but it doesn't mean that that's real. Things have, are are about to re be reignited in a sense, you know, and and, and increase in intensity. Uh, like Brother Jeremy said, we have a lot of things going on around the world. But one of the major things that happened was. Uh, uh, we lost a supreme court justice over the uh weekend and so we want you to be paying attention to the kinds of things that are going to be flowing out of that it just seems like another another wrench thrown into the mix of this chaos that we find ourselves in in our country and the great division that's that's uh that's occurred uh, amongst the people it'll be interesting to see uh going forward what happens to the president of the united states announcing that he was going to uh, to select another supreme court justice nominee before the end of the week and uh, of course the uh the uh, the outcry from the other side uh, of the aisle so to speak has already begun so we need to be in prayer for those things we need to be in prayer for our families for our loved ones and be in prayer for those uh within the the community of the church in this nation that uh, and around the world so anyway i just thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> but uh so yeah. we're going to be continuing I would concur
0: with that
2: Br- brother marty <laughs> i would
0: concur with with what you're saying you know there's a sense you know in our hearts those who have jesus there's a peace but yet you can still feel the uneasiness you know yeah. in the in the airway so you know uh yeah it, it is tricky you know where we can think all right things are going to calm down but let us not uh, let our guard down like, that's what we would tell yeah. the people right don't you know, don't let your guard down and uh and, and understand yeah there's peace but also understand something is always brewing You know, and uh it's mm-hmm. going to be some interesting next couple of days to see what's going to happen you know uh if our president yeah. chooses you know the next potential um judge we'll see <laughs> but i just yeah. wanted to concur with you brother Marty
1: no I, yeah you know we need to be in prayer about that not so much i don't want to get off too far on that but you know i'll end up <laughs> we'll end up having a, a podcast on current events with, uh, but you know that's why we look at the word man <laughs> we're going <laughs> we're going to be uh, looking at uh, again like we said we've been talking about how david uh, brought the ark to jerusalem and events that happened there it all started as we began to explore psalm 74 Uh, the psalm of asaph and in that psalm we began to discover discover the great insights that god gave to this this great saint of god and uh, we got to about the beginning of verse three as we concluded that podcast a couple weeks ago and and over the weekend as we as we were uh, preparing for for last week uh, we began to think about the preparation that that went into to, to bringing a a man of God to the point where where someone like Asaph uh, who was appointed as the chief choir director by King David could write such a psalm because it, it it entails the entirety of of the history really of uh, of the prophetic unfolding that would culminate with the, the, with the return of the Lord which he which he plainly said as we've talked about at length that uh, it would require um, you know deep reflection and skill unlock the things of the spirit of god and so that took us all the way back to uh to uh you know to 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 research how asaph came to be that chief uh choir director him and his two brothers really as it's defined in the word of himon uh and asaph asaph being uh the one who would uh, take charge of the tabernacle of david It's, it's interesting to me brothers that david David found it within his own heart to uh, to pitch a place for for the temple of uh, uh, for the for the Ark of God. Uh, something that he he pitched a tent is how the Bible says it. Brother Jeremy, could you read that to us as as we pray in Jesus' name and begin our study here in in First Chronicles fifteen one? I just want to
0: start there, and then we'll, we'll we'll get into our study today. First Chronicles fifteen one. Yes. And David made him houses in the city of david and prepared a place for the ark of god and pitched for it a tent
1: amen and he pitched for it a tent there's two things said there that uh, he makes houses in the city of david he prepares a place for the ark and pitched for it a tent so that that was extraordinary to me when we're just looking at the the, the historical events when you begin to consider um uh, that at the at the same time that David creates a, a place for the ark to be be laid, and of course that scripture, Brother Jeremy just read, is after um the terrible event where Uzzah was was killed in, in First Chronicles chapter 13 for attempting to lay his hands on the ark uh, when the oxen stumbled. For those of you who are just joining us, we encourage you to go back and listen to the. Uh, the podcast of last week, which fill in an, an enormous amount of things that we've discussed already, but here we are. Uh, David then takes the ark, and and he he goes and leaves it in the house of a particular person whom we're going to focus on today. But I just wanted to note here that that it's a very interesting thing and something that we need to pay pay attention to. In that, at the time that David uh, created his own tent or the tabernacle of David, as it's known uh, the tabernacle of Moses was still in existence. As we talked about before, uh, when Shiloh was destroyed, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had been taken captive by the Philistines. And those that were responsible for the tabernacle of Mm -hmm. Moses, which is a tent that was built in the wilderness before they even went into the promised land, um, that those component parts of that tabernacle were were secured and 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 uh, taken care of by levites but the ark itself uh was taken and and apparently according to the scripture the ark i mean the tabernacle of moses was uh was constructed and, and left in uh in a in a separate location let's take a look at that real quick and uh, i think it's second chronicles chapter 1 is it brother jeremy or chapter 7 uh, it's chapter 1. Chronicles chapter 1, just to okay. bring some clarification here. When Solomon dedicates the the, the, ta- the temple that he built after King David had died, um, they went to get the ark out of uh, the tabernacle of David that was in Jerusalem. <clears throat> but here we're given an account that, that there were actually two tabernacles in existence at the time. We're talking about the tabernacle of Moses right now. Can you read that to us just to just to uh, clarify what we're talking
0: about uh, in verse 3 and four, uh, Second Chronicles chapter yes. 1. So Solomon and all the congregation with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon. For there was the tabernacle of the congregation of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But the ark of God had David brought up from to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem.
1: That's an incredible thing if you really think about it. There's so many ways that we could look at it, but I find it incredibly interesting that that the tabernacle of Moses was in existence uh, in Gibeon and the mountains of Gibeon, the high places of Gibeon, but it was missing <laughs> the most important part of the furniture. Uh, which goes with the tabernacle, which is the Ark of the Covenant. There in verse 4, we see that at the time that the temple was about to be uh, dedicated, which Solomon, the the son of David, had built, uh, the Ark of God was existing in a a particular, uh, in a a different tent that David made for it. It's known as the Tabernacle of David. There's many prophetic insights there. There's many things that we could talk about. You know, we have to ask the question, or we don't have to to ask the question, but we ask the question if we begin to think about these kinds of things. Now, again, these podcasts are dedicated to looking at prophetic parallels and testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, We believe that they have relevance to our day. We believe that the patterns, the symbols, and and the things that we are witnessing in, in our modern times, especially in this country, and especially up under this global situation we find ourselves in, we can learn a lot and glean from the things that that occurred in the ancient past because as we know from revelation chapter 19 verse 10 the testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy and so based on those things and many other things we look at the scriptures and apply those kinds of understandings uh to to the stories that were that were given to us in the old testament like brother fernando was talking about the other day the apostle paul himself commanded us in the last days, especially we who uh, upon whom the ends of the world have come, he said, we need to pay attention to what happened to Israel, uh, not only in the wilderness but throughout her history, and that uh, that they were that the events that occurred were meant to be warnings and also, um, you know, prophecy to us upon whom the ends of the world have come. So that's why we look at it the way that we do. And so when we read things and accounts like this. Uh, like Brother Jeremy just read, we we have to take note of why the scripture mentions particular things. To me, it's very interesting. David, who is a type of our heavenly David, the Lord Jesus Christ, he creates a different tabernacle to lay the house uh, to to bring the ark of God into uh, into Jerusalem, the city which he cap uh, which he captured in battle after he was made king and established as the capital city of of, of Israel. And it's fascinating that that the ark was not in the tabernacle of Moses even before David went to go get it. So it shows in in many ways that the presence of God had been lifted and that the care of the presence of God had been basically taken, captured by, by an elite ruling class, which we discussed at length, out of the house of Abinadab with Uzzah and Ahio being the ones who who were the third generation, really, um, that would uh, would be taking care of it. So when David went to get the ark, what we see happening is that first, what we just read in First Chronicles 15, apparently there was no place for it. You know, David went initially to go get it, but there was no place for it. And as we looked at the other day and, and the last four, several days, really, as the ark made its way to Jerusalem, there were a series of events that take place that we find very, very interesting and very, very much prophetic in their nature. Uh, w- what we learned was that was that once the ark had been brought out of the house of Abinadab, and we're going to be coming to you this morning from 1 Chronicles 13, if you have your Bibles as well, so we can look at, at what happened to the ark. When Uzzah went to try and steady the ark, uh, because the oxen had slipped, and again we encourage you to go back and listen to those podcasts for the great insights that that were given to us by the Spirit of God. Something happened that caused him to die, and and it was primarily uh, because he went to to try and hold it up. He went to seize the ark and and uh, and and thereby diminishing uh, in the eyes of the people the kind of respect and reverence they should have for that piece of furniture that represented the presence of God the almighty God on the face of the earth think about it brothers if <laughs> by 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 attempting to hold the ark can you read that to us brother jeremy in uh, chapter 13 verse 9 and 10
0: before we say what we're yes. going to say And when they came unto the threshing floor of Shadon, Uṣa put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uṣa, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. Uh, There's several reasons. Um, that that happened, which we've already talked about. But when you think about it, uh, to have tried to steady the ark would have in in all, you know, <laughs> when we think about it, what what would that really be saying? In essence, that God needs our help, right? That he's, and, and even more so, that he's really no different than any of the other idols that the nations of the world worshiped. And the idols that were that were worshipped in the high places from where the ark was, was right? I mean, remember the ark was at kirjath Jearim. And in verse 6, it's right. called Ba'ala, mm-hmm. and, and, right? And, and so it, for many years, it abided, surrounded in a town that's called <laughs> the Hill of the Sorceress, right? The, the place of great idolatry in the high places, which is where they used to burn incense the pagan nations of the world so for for a long time at least you know what were you saying the other day brother jerry almost 70 years right anywhere between 50 to 70 years the ark had come to rest there in the place identified as being the place of idolatry and really a foreshadow of the spirit of of uh, of mystery babylon that we see in in the book of revelation so for you know, when you think of it that way, the ark itself was surrounded by other idols or in territories where idols were were, were worshipped. And so <clears throat> it really had no distinction, right? It, it just it seemed to get absorbed <laughs> in all the other false gods of the world. There was really no distinction being made. As a matter of fact, David said so in, in verse uh, 3. Can you read verse
0: 3 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes, and let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul.
1: So out of David's own testimony, he's basically telling the whole nation there, look, (laughs) we've spent the last 20-something years here uh, without seeking God. So we can take, you know, us ourselves, like we're talking about, there was no distinct, you know, specialness about it. It wasn't even, it wasn't thought of in that way. It wasn't respected. It certainly Saul didn't try and bring it up, you know, or, or, or create a special place for it. Saul didn't even take it to, to the tabernacle of Moses. Yeah. They just left it where it was, right? So mm-hmm. there was no, right, there was no sense of God is any different than any other thing. And it's really interesting because they made the ark by Uzzah trying to stop and hold it. It's almost as if saying that God was that thing that was made. It was never meant to be seen, right? I mean, it was never meant to be seen. It was always supposed to be kept in the holy place, in the holy of holies. And even when they brought it out, we discussed that uh, the other day when we were looking at it. Can you read that to us again, Brother Jeremy, in Numbers chapter 4? I think it is. Let me see here. How it was to be handled. And how we have failed
2: <laughs> to live right. in
1: our time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look here. I think it's Numbers 4. Yeah, can you read verse
0: 5 and and, and 6 to us, brother? Numbers 4? Yes. And when the camp set it forth, forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of testimony with it. And shall put thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth wholly of blue, and shall put it in the staves thereof.
1: Wow, that's pretty amazing so how they were directed to carry it was with extreme reverence, and it was never meant to be seen. Because by uh, what the general public, the only person who could see it at the time, as we know, was the high priest, right? Aaron. And and so, and and he's a type or a representative of our great high priest that would yet come in the future. Only Jesus had access to the Father. So by diminishing the reverence for what represented the presence of God, it was as if he was nothing more than just a golden box or an idol like the nations had. By the time it reached their time, the time of David and Saul and all that, that that's kind of where they had come to. And we know that the ark was meant to be presented in a certain way whenever it was moving. So what he just read here. Uh, when the camp sets forth, Aaron shall come, and his sons take down the covering veil and cover the ark. That's in, That's interesting, right? because <laughs> that veil is the veil that was was between the holy place and the holy of holies as a matter of fact in in the actual temple in Jerusalem when Jesus actually cried and said it is finished it's the first time uh that the veil was was opened the bible tells us that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom and 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 so it, and then later on in, in the scripture it talks about the veil being the flesh of the lord himself And that he has torn down the middle wall of partition between us and God, his children, that is. But those are all different studies in their own. But what we're looking at here is how the ark was to be presented in public. And by bringing that ark out on a new cart, without the coverings and the prescribed coverings that were uh, that were meant to be upon it, it shows just how far the culture, the people of God now not the world, but the people of God had come in the way that they regarded the presence of the Most High God. There was no prescribed, as they say, adherence to the proper handling of the presence of God. This is a very serious thing, and we see that when we when we reflect on what happened when Uzzah put forth his hand. It was bad enough that <laughs> they were moving it the way they were. Right. But it's it's even worse when you think about when they put their hand to it in First Chronicles thirteen ten. It's it's what caused him to die. Just on on a human point of view, you know, uh, not looking at the uh, at the you know the prophetic parallels and all that. Just from a human point of view, this is why it is so important that we uh, we when we when we engage with the Lord um, that we do so. Uh, according to the way that he has set forth that we are to engage with him if we don't take a true reverence toward him uh and humility um uh, it's a very dangerous place to be and can anybody have any thoughts on that
3: no you you're you're laying, you're laying down the groundwork i mean it's i think everything you're saying is is, is stating exactly um what how the presence of God is supposed to be handled—the the lack of reverence, right—to mm. um, to put on display um, the presence of God in such an unorderly fashion, wow. right—it it, it was was their undoing, was the undoing of of Uzzah ultimately, and and it was a a a behind the scene look of the true spiritual. Uh, condition of of the people in, in those days maybe i mean maybe they can claim ignorance uh because it wasn't until david came w- and he basically redefined again and and, re- and 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 put back into order how it was supposed to be done uh, yeah. so but at at the end of the day we see that it wasn't supposed to be done that way the, the presence of god was not supposed to be in that new car
1: Brother uh, Fernando, brother, Fern- brother Fernando, I want you to to elaborate on two things you said there that are really important. I mean, not <laughs> very important to me. I mean, what you brought out there, and and brother Jeremy too, whatever God inspires you. But two things you said there. One was um, <clears throat> they put it on display. Yeah. that really touched my heart because it reminds me of where we are today. So I want you to comment on that. And then two, uh, the 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 prophetic type here. You said, until David went, right? And, and then you said, until he came and told them how to handle the presence of God. It reminds me of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did.
3: Yes, you know? yes, exactly. And, and, and as you were saying there, that's exactly who I thought about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everything mm-hmm. he did when it came to displaying the power of the Holy Spirit was by permission. Every healing... Every miracle, Very um, good. you know, you, you go down his ministry. He didn't just, you know, uh, 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 take the presence of God for granted and and just, you know, just put it on mm-hmm. display or showcase it. Uh, because it's something rever- reverent. It's something that that is that is unique and and something that belongs to the children of God, right? Yes. And it's for the glory of God. So we see through Christ's ministry uh, that very thing, where um, nothing that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit was by his own choice, but unless the Father told him. So we see quite the opposite in the display of the Ark of the Covenant uh, with Uzzah and, and, you know, and, and, and this you know, big big thing that they put together. It's really what it is, but that's really what they do today in, in churches. It's, they put on this big thing. You know, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is over there. The presence of God is moving here. Revival over here. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. It's not that easy. You know, no. there's consecration steps to this. There's there's an yeah. order to this before the presence of God can begin to move. And and those are the things that we completely bypassed and and, and so forth and so on. But, yeah, Jesus' ministry is is the example of how to handle the presence of God. And then David comes along, a type of Christ, um, and and begins to bring the people back into order and begin to uh, show the people how the presence of God is supposed to be uh, uh, carried. And it was the the priest that bore the the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and so forth and so on. So, yes, uh, David speaks of Christ, but I, I think in Type and Shadow it also speaks of uh, what will take place at the end of time, um, where a ministry will come to the forefront um, and 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 teach God's people, uh, you know where the presence of God's been, how it's going to come to us, and and to prepare ourselves to receive it, right? And, and yeah. so that's what comes to mind.
1: That's good, brother Jeremy. Any thoughts?
0: yeah I want to piggy bank of what brother uh, Fernando just said uh, a a presence that's coming uh in this end time I think we the, the question that i that I ask myself is number one, we don't even have a clue we don't even have a clue of what the presence of God is in this hour we don't, and um what we call the presence of God is not the presence of God, you know, and I believe as we learn from David that god is restoring that (laughs) tabernacle right (laughs) he's restoring that presence again in these last days so um i i think we see a definitely a parallel of what's taking place of what people call the presence of god that is not that is not we're living of past old glory you know and and so forth but uh god is doing something fresh and new in this hour
1: yeah, well, let's let's take a look at that, too, in, 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 in Amos. Turn over to Amos real quick, what you were talking about, God doing something fresh and new, uh, because I think that it has to precede the second coming of the Lord, uh, this yes, this uh, this thing, right? Um, and there's a couple of things, other things I want to look at, too, and remind me of, I forget, but uh, the two things you guys were talking about made me think about. Uh, let's turn over to Amos chapter nine. But uh, the two reactions that David had, and, and not uh, not David as a type of Christ, and maybe it, it is, but I just can't see it. But there were there was a a sense of of anger when when Uzzah died. It says that David was displeased, but it really the word literally means like he he got momentarily he got angry and and those are some really interesting things to explore if the lord leads us in that way and we'll just briefly explore i just want to put that on the back burner and then that gave way to david was afraid to bring the ark to him not before he could go settle whatever it
2: was
1: (laughs) which i think we could look at but but uh but we'll see if we, if we go there but but brother Jeremy, you were talking about and brother fernando that new thing that's happening right now and i think i think what we're seeing uh are is quite possibly uh that taking place right now uh in the body of christ across the world and those that are hidden in 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 our country really because it's it, just as there's a division within the nation itself on that which is visible between right and left right and evangelicals yeah. in the world or whatever you want to call it, there's a division that's taking place within the body of Christ itself in the United States, especially a real division has taken place and it may not be perceptible to the outside viewer looking in, but, but to those that, that spend time exploring these things, there is a real division. There are two messages emerging underneath this global uh, situation we find ourselves in, which we believe are are very much uh, <clears throat> uh, the end times have begun. We really believe that I do, and 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 in it, I think Amos reveals two kinds of 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 a believer in the last days prior to the coming of the Lord, and that's what we see here in verse uh, ten and eleven. Can you read that to us, brother?
0: Um, yeah, of yeah, uh, ch- uh, chapter nine, right, brother Marty?
2: Correct. Uh huh.
0: All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. And then verse 12. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this.
1: That's an incredible prophecy that I think is beginning to happen. Notice what he first points out is that there's a condition of the people in the last days here, as Amos concludes his prophecy, he calls it the sinners of my people, right? In verse 10, <laughs> he calls it the sinners of my people uh are going to to be judged. Who say this? In verse 10, the evil will not overtake or prevent us. In other words, this this nothing bad's going to happen to us. We're we're going to be overcomers. We're going to be victorious. <laughs> And and uh and they they don't they don't seem to have the attitude necessary for repentance. When he when he begins to to deal with his church, he begins to deal with his his nation as well, Israel, in verse nine. Can you read that in verse nine, Brother Jeremy? Nine nine.
0: Yes. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations like as corn is sifted in a sea yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth
1: that's incredible Um,
0: (laughs) because he's talking
1: about a time of sifting and then what he goes on to further explain is that that sifting would begin with the scattering of the house you know the nation of Israel it's almost as if this and I want you to consider this again Uh, We're talking prophetically here, speaking according to the prophecies given. It seems that what was being revealed to the prophets here in in many other instances as well, and and even way back before they even went into the promised land, because Moses mentions this, he mentions the fact that that what would begin to trigger uh, another acceleration of bringing about the plan and the purpose of God is that a time would come where he would scatter his people to the four corners of the earth amongst all the nations. And it's it's a really interesting thing to me how God deals with the heathen nations of the world by allowing his people to be scattered to that extent. In 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 essence how the nations of the world would treat his people uh would would uh, would be a a primer, if you will, a, a foundational basis by which he would judge the rest of the nations of the world as well. Not only his people, but how the nations of the world would teach treat his people when they were scattered throughout mm. the four corners of the earth,
0: because they still like remain his stick. people. Yes, kind of like a measuring
2: and, stick, right? Really.
1: Right. And this is why when we look throughout history from the time that they were actually scattered and removed from Israel as a whole uh, in AD 70, that throughout history, they were chased from nation to nation. Right. I mean, and, 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 and the constant persecution of the Jewish people, which they have received as a result of their rejection of the Messiah. Yet, like in every time that he used the nations of the world to judge his people, He also judged the nations who judged them, not so much because they became tools in the hands of God to bring about correction for his people, but because of how extensively they treated his people and tried to destroy them from off the face of the earth, culminating really uh, in World War II when, when Adolf Hitler, a type of the Antichrist, really, was controlled by the spirit of the Antichrist, tried to do... What no other kingdom had ever done, right? Which is to permanently and totally eradicate the Jew from the face of the earth. So it was out of that that they were regathered, and and he starts setting the tone for that in Amos nine nine, but then we get to verse ten, and and it's almost like a dual prophecy because he connects it to the to the restoring of the house of of the tabernacle of David. In, in verse ten, he says that. Uh, that those who say that judgment won't come on them, both in his time, but also in the future time. Those who identify themselves as his people, that's what he said, right? Verse 10, all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say this, this corrective hand of God will not overtake us. We're not being corrected by God. It's not going to happen to us. The, the inability to recognize the necessity to repent will bring about a swift destruction upon them and then he takes it further and talks about the day that he will raise up again the tabernacle of david that is fallen and so what you were talking about earlier was that you believe that what we see in these historical narratives that parallel our time is that god again is beginning to stir and restore and 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 to bypass right like he did the tabernacle of Moses, he bypassed that whole scene like he did with Uzzah and the rest of them and and moved upon David to discover what was necessary to create a proper place uh, so that the presence of God could be handled in the right way. We have a promise here in verse 11 that he's going to raise up that kind of tabernacle again like he did In the days of old i will build it again and raise up his ruins what's interesting is that he describes the tabernacle of david which which kind of accelerates us in our study this morning but the tabernacle of david is a type of the church which the lord jesus christ himself constructed right Mm -hmm. it is a tabernacle we are the tent of the lord we are the temple of the lord of (laughs) you and the and the ark of god is the presence of the lord and it's our heavenly david who has pitched that tent it is david who who built it and and the true church you know those precious people uh who who have been oppressed and and have been away <laughs> from that beautiful presence of the lord see i don't know how deep we can go because we're really limited in how i can take people through the scriptures. And we're limited also, not just me, I'm just saying all of us together. I'm not saying me, me, you know, that's not what I'm saying. We're limited in our ability when we discuss these things because we're not in a setting where I can say, hey, open here, open here, open there. But I'm just going to put it out there. One of the necessities for the the building of the Tabernacle of David uh, was the fact that, (laughs) prophetically speaking, what God was saying was that under the Mosaic Tabernacle, they had failed to do what they were meant to do, and 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 what resulted in it was the removing of the ark, or the removing of the presence. <laughs> it then came to rest in Gentile hands, who who had no value for it, and it became a curse to them. Really, it then came back into the hands of the priests at Beth Shemesh, if we read before. Remember, where they set it upon the stone of Abel, and uh, <laughs> and then they. Uh, they placed it in the field of Joshua. All of those very symbolic. Go back and listen because we've taught on those things. But then they became cavalier with it, and 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 they themselves opened it, looking into the ark, and it, and it caused some fifty thousand seventy people to die. And scholars, as they will, they argue over how many people actually died. Some say it was only 70. Some say it was 50,000. Either way, it's a lot of people (laughs) that died that day. That's not the point, right? The point is they did something wrong. So then what they did was they called for the men of Kirjath-Jerim, which is where David would find it all those years later. But the men of Kirjath-Jerim were not sons of Aaron, which is what Brother Jeremy read in Numbers chapter 4, where the required priesthood to bring the ark out of its place of reverence and and particularly how it was to be carried so they handed the presents over to a new uh a, a new caretaker the house of Abinadab and it, and and they sanctified Eleazar so they started out okay he sanctified himself and began to try and take care of the ark but then <laughs> after Eliezer's Eleazar's passing the Uza and Ohio became the caretakers another generation and 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 still yet the ark's not being sought for, the the understanding of how to handle it hasn't been being studied. So what that revealed in their time was that the priests themselves, and 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 Ahio and and, and Uza who ended up dying for his for his breach there, what he did, they were of the priestly class. Don't make any mistake about it, but they were not the ones that God had sanctified and chosen, the sons of Aaron, uh, to be the ones who would handle the ark and move the ark. That's what that's why it became so serious what they did and also what it reveals to us is that from generation to generation the caring for the presence of God became so uh ridiculously neglected that by the time it was time to bring the presence out uh it was it it it, it was meant to alert us who look at it prophetically that <laughs> when the presence was time to come out it was meant for one thing and that was to judge the nation, and to correct it for how they had handled the presence of God. And it would bring about a removing of that presence from them, think of this, into the hands uh, of the king, which is David himself, who would reject the tabernacle of Moses and create his own tabernacle for it, which is what the Lord Jesus Christ did. And so that brings us <laughs> that brings us back to First Chronicles thirteen, and we'll go quickly from this point. But for what we wanted to begin today, which is when that happened, uh, we well, let's start with First Chronicles thirteen and read twelve through fourteen. Would
0: you, Brother Jeremy? Yes. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, "How shall I bring the ark of God home to me?" So, David brought not the ark home to himself to the city of David, but carried it aside into the house of Obed Edom, the Gittite, And the ark of God remained with the family of Obed Edom in his house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed Edom and all that he had. Praise God.
1: So, we've already discussed a little bit about David. Uh, in verse eleven being angry over what had happened. I, I don't want to go off in that direction today because it'll get into some very interesting things though if we look at it on a personal basis as David the man and and what we go through and what we presume to know and what we don't know. Uh you know, Brother Fernando you talked about uh how they put it they put it on display, you know, and, and, and what's scary about this to me, now David the man we're talking talking about i think that david in many ways would go in and out of his reflection as it pertains to being the type of christ that would eventually come who god called his son right in matthew jesus christ son of david son of abraham so there are times we can learn from david's life and not to make excuses for anything but but where we where we are what we are, in our weaknesses, our frailties, our sins, as David demonstrated. But we can also, by the Spirit of God and through proper relationship, like David dis, uh, demonstrated as well, become reflections of the Lord whom we serve. And this is the dichotomy, this is the paradox, is it not, of each and every individual life that loves the Lord the the true saint of god can never live below what he's known in the pre- if he's ever been in the presence of the lord go read the 51st psalm and you'll see that you'll see david struggling you'll see him trying to live a life with god and at the same time deal with the horrible things that he allowed himself to get entrapped and ensnared by so i take i take a lot of heart from david all of us should and that god was still capable of reaching his heart, even when he failed, because this is a tremendous failure that happened here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. really. I mean, if you right. think about what he endeavored to do, which was very noble, right? You know, very smart and wise that he knew, man, well, number one, Saul didn't have anything to do with the ark and look how he ended up. And right? he died on, the, on in Gilboa, he died uh, you know, uh, fighting the Philistines. He commits suicide. Horrible. At the end of his life, he's consulting witches. I mean, this is this is bad really? stuff, right? So so he understood by that that, you know what? He never sought God. He says, the first thing I want to do when we solidify, I want to bring in the whole nation together. Because David apparently, the way I've been reading it and studying it, he'd already been king uh, for several years in Hebron. But now he was moving his headquarters from Hebron to Jerusalem, and he was trying to solidify the whole nation. So these are these are weighty moments, and and then he wants to bring the Ark there, which is brilliant, of course. But <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do this, but but think about what happened that day because I was thinking about this this morning and over the weekend I was thinking, Lord, why did he get mad? before he got afraid. What what angered him? And is that really the right translation? Well, in all the different translations of the word David was displeased, there is a sense of it wasn't so much that he was mad at God, because I asked the question, was he mad at you? Was he mad at Uzzah? Or was he mad at himself? was he mad at the priests? I mean, what was he mad at? <laughs> uh, I think he was mad at himself, man. I think he was mad at himself. It says it says he was displeased in verse 11 because the Lord had struck Uzzah. And so, and then he was afraid of God uh saying, "How can I bring the ark home to me?" In David's estimation, The Ark had been under the care of this man of God, Uzzah, or a man who, who, well, the rabbis call him a man of God, right? But I don't know if that's true. They all have some kind of speculative thing in the different commentaries of old. But I've come to the conclusion to think that David was actually angry with himself. I said I wasn't going to do this, but we need to do this. Listen, just uh, because it might be helping somebody out there. I don't know. helping me. So, he starts out nobly his intentions are great but as he as he brings the art out <clears throat> there's a lot of things that he thinks that are incorrect about what he was thinking in other words he wasn't thinking correctly through lack of information through lack of understanding uh, whatever it may be, it was a big deal this day, right? I mean, he had been king for several years under his own people, Judah at Hebron. But now he's trying to consolidate the kingdom, the remaining 10 tribes, right? He's trying to bring them all together, all the scattered tribes, all the way into, into Egypt, right? They were all the way in Egypt. Look at, verse, uh, look at uh, verse 4. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? 4 and 5,
0: I'm sorry. And all the congregation said that they would do so. For the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. So David gathered all Israel together from Shehor of Egypt, even unto the entering of Hemet, to bring the ark of God from kajak Jerem.
1: All right. The wisdom of this man of God, David, is incredible. Because when the bad thing happens, I mean, it was a crisis moment. I mean, he's been waiting all this time, seven years, brothers. He's been waiting <laughs> to have a nation united, to have a, a nation become the people of Israel again. And after several years, they, they, they turned their hearts to him, and God gave him favor with that. And now his first act of a national leadership is to go and get the presence of God, to begin instructing them about how how the past regime, if you will, <laughs> their old king, uh didn't seek God. They didn't inquire of God. And so he's kind of like preaching to them saying, This is why we ended up in this mess we're in. With you guys mad at me, the kingdom's divided, you know, we got enemies all around us. My point is this, he's moving in a very wise way. But but our intentions are not always, our good intentions are not always uh, a validator of what we're doing. And everybody involved, when it comes to the presence of God now, because that's what we're talking about, and, and any nation, everybody involved is, is woeful, woefully wanting in their understanding in this particular story that we're reading. See, it seems good to all the people but none of them stepped up and said but wait a minute you know there's a whole set of events here that we got to go through before we can bring this ark out and 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 so what that tells me is there was a deficit of the word to begin with which we know because they haven't been inquiring at the ark all the days of saul and what's interesting also is that it's pointed out to us in verse five that some of those people were living in shihor of egypt you gotta, you know, and we know from types and shadows what Egypt's the type of the world, and you know what are they doing up there? They've got the Promised Land, right? I mean, what are they doing up there? So there's a whole host of interesting things to dig into. The point being this, I was fascinated at the fact that David became angry because what's, what's, you know, what's what's put forth as established, you know, theology and scholarly debate is that he was mad at God for for killing Uzzah. I don't think that's the case at all, because you can take the path and and looking at the character of David, I think he was mad at himself because of what happened. And there were a lot of very, not so subtle if you actually look into them, but but just being human beings ourselves, if you stepped out and you did what he did here, and you gathered the whole nation together, and you got this big parade of 30,000 soldiers and all kinds of loud music and you've got the Ark of the Covenant in public and you've got, you know, Levites are there too, but they're not functioning. as There's people from as far away as Egypt are there. I mean, this is a massive gathering and your decision and your leadership has caused this to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then <laughs> as you get going, right? I mean, everything's going good
1: until God does what God always does, and, and that's yes. – he examines it, and that's what we see at the threshing floor of Shadon, right? The, the place of uh, – where the sword comes out, where the word is applied to things. It exposes everybody. Go ahead, brother.
0: <laughs> no, I just want to say, uh, but a, a David was a, a true servant of God and had a true heart after God. And part of his anger was, you can also see that he had a, a zeal. Mm. You know, he, he had a zeal for the holy things of God. And, you know, it seems, when you read the text, it seems like he's angry of God. But I, I just, I can only speak from my experience, brothers, um, mm-hmm. that at, at times where I have felt angry with God, when things seemed going like they were going right, and then all of a sudden, it turns out that's not what God wanted your initial reaction is to get upset of God, but when you analyze things, you're really angry at yourself because you should have known better yes brother you, you, you know and i'm of course i'm not, i don't want to <clears throat> I don't want to put myself in in any way close to i'm david what what I'm saying is just an experiences as a servant well, of God that you had yeah you know um uh you you end up when you analyze everything. Your anger is really towards yourself, you know. It, it seems like, it, but it's really when you analyze, because you love God, you fear, you fear God. That's why we know he was a God fearing man, because what what we read after, right? That the Bible said that he was fright, afraid, and right. we understand what you know. The book of Proverbs says in, in one, in chapter one, verse six is in the seven. I mean that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So he, you know, I, I concur with what you're saying because. Uh, that he was really angry with himself.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, uh, and, and when you begin to, uh, the, when you begin to analyze the word displeased that it uses there, it, it means to blaze up of anger. It has to do with zeal, to be fret with with self, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. to to be very broad. So Your own self. It, 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 mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a pretty heavy for. thing. Yeah, that's a really happy thing when we think about it because, you know, uh, as you relate to it as a minister, because you're a pastor, but, and at the same time, even in our own common experiences, you know, our intentions, again, uh, this is why it's so serious. We're talking about God's presence, you know, and it makes me sad uh, in many ways (laughs) because we've done this so many times, at least I have in my life. You know, he is—he assumed, and, and and his his noble intentions, and even as right as it was, because he made it right. I mean, it act, the ark actually did make it to Jerusalem. You know, and we're just talking about the man, David. We're not talking about the type of Christ here. We're talking about the man, and and what's common to all of us, right? It, it's very interesting and very very frightening at the same time. His initial attempt was out of order and ahead of time, right? It was ahead. He got out ahead of God because obviously he got out ahead of God because it resulted in destruction, right? Uzzah died (laughs) because of his decision. Think of the crisis moment right there, buddy.
2: (laughs) Buddy. (laughs)
3: It's incredible because, you know, there was a plague that came because of the decisions, uh, David made to number the people. Remember? Oh, that's um,
2: right. Yes.
3: Yeah. So, so it's it's a heavy trip, you know, when we talk about ministry and from this particular uh angle, you know, that a lot of preachers kind of disregard. Like, you know, like whatever, I'm just gonna go and go go to college and study at Bible school mm-hmm. and and you know go find me a nice little church, build it up to a couple thousand, and you know do my thing and you know live and die <laughs> but you oh, know, we, we uh, see we, we see even david you know who the bible calls a man after god's own heart his decision making i want i want people to understand the seriousness of this you know we're talking about the man like you said he is a type of christ but uh you know his pursuit for for the right way that's that's you know that's what separates david but in doing so yeah. you know it it cost a lot of lives. Amen. Brother. And that's something that's... very, very serious yes. that we have to really think about. I mean it's you know, we read about the the people that die, oh, okay, whatever, you know, like it's just some <laughs> kind of story of old no. I mean, David's decisions cost people's yes. lives. Yes. And we have to that. have to really, really, you know, think about uh what it is that ministry is, you know. And like you said, wow. it, it, a restoration, that was the word that you used, of true yes. ministry, a true presence mm-hmm. of God. You know, that's what we need. You know, in our pursuit yes. for it, how many times, you know, have we messed up? <laughs> we that's all right. have, right? Thinking, Absolutely. you know, cause all, maybe we grew up watching a certain way of ministry, a certain way of preaching, and we thought that was it, and then and, and we could manipulate the presence of God. Right. Right no, we don't want right. to talk about that right we don't want to talk about no. that as preachers, right, right. To all of us you know yes
0: i hey, i I gather you know as as you're talking uh brother fernando it's like brother marty like do you think think about this um to to the true servant of god when you know when something he makes a decision that not only affects himself it affects people when you truly love God. And when you truly love his people, it's something, it's a heavy, it's a heavy trip, man. It's a heavy burden, man. You know, because you know that the decision you made has affected people. And, and, and I see, I see the totally opposite today in today's preachers who, who get caught, you know, in scandals and cheating and doing this. It's, it's, they think just by saying, I'm sorry, but that's not a, that's not a true repentance. And and they just look out for themselves, but they don't they don't analyze all the people that they affect. You know what I'm saying? There is mm-hmm. no true repentance. It's just me, or, or they don't even confess what they. It, it's just it's just uh I, I'm saying sorry because I got caught. You get what I'm saying? And and yeah. they don't see all the repercussions. in today's mini- many ministers today. Don't see the, the big picture of the people that they have affected. It's it's just it's just looking out for themselves.
1: Right. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, and this gets into motive. Y- mm-hmm. You know, I, right. I, I, I why do we want the president?
3: Intent motive.
1: Right? Yeah. You know, and and making decisions based on consultation. I think one of the things that that That's God good. really
2: wow.
1: re- reveals here is in verse uh, thirteen. He he begins the initial desire to bring the presence of God by doing something. Verse thirteen. Could you read that? Verse thirteen
0: one. Yes. Oh, thirteen one. And yeah. David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader.
1: So he consults with the. With the with the big the generals of the army there, and then you know with with the captains of hundreds and thousands, and with every leader he consults with them, and then verse two, what
0: does he do? And David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in the all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us.
1: And then he goes on and says, you know, about bringing the ark, uh, because we haven't looked at the ark in in the days of Saul. And then it says in verse 4, All the congregation said they would do this thing, for the thing was right in the eyes of the people. Again, the only time he mentions the Lord is in verse 2, where he says, if it's God's will.
3: Right. So you, you mean uh, you mean he took a survey? Is
0: that what that was?
3: He took a survey, yeah. right?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Running, a, a, that's how ministry. That, that's how ministry is ran today, like a business. Yeah. That's what it is. You, know, you know, uh, know, like a business. But, but.
1: Yeah, exactly. And see, and and I think that here we are already seeing by the Holy Spirit where they they started off wrong. Intentions were right, but. Mm-hmm process was wrong because he he hadn't done the most vital of things at least as it's written is to ask god
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what do wants. want
1: right. right and and i think that yes. that interim period and we're just looking at it from the perspective of not david as a type of christ but david as the man that lesson was was well learned uh because it's what god began to reveal to him because <clears throat> in in chapter 14 verse uh Verse 9 and 10, look what happens. Can you, uh, while, he, while the ark's at Obed-Edom's house, has died, everything's come to a stop. He goes back to Jerusalem, and he's kind of kicking back there, doing what he's trying to do is figure out what did I do wrong. But we see right away the quality of heart that he had and just yeah. how beautiful his heart was and, how, and the kind of person he was before God because he's learned his lesson, and it comes in the form of a battle. And look what it happens here in, in verse 9 and 10.
0: Can you, can, you, can you read 9 and 10 to us? Chapter 14. Yes. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephra- Rephraim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And will thou deliver them unto my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into thine hand.
1: So the Philistines come out against him. Another crisis moment occurs, and and he doesn't do what, what a normal army person would do, which is react and just go fight because he's supposed to fight, even though he gathers his troops and stuff. Before he did anything, and he's learned his lesson already, that's how quick it was. This happened within just a matter of a few days because it's only 90 days from the time that he leaves the ark at Obed-Edom until it comes to Jerusalem. So these two battles happened within that 90-day period. But what we see is already something so beautiful. And that's what God was able to do with his heart. Because when this battle, this crisis moment comes, in verse 10 it says, he inquired of God, saying, shall I do this? Shall I go up? And And will you deliver them into my hand? He immediately doesn't consult with his generals. You think we got enough, you know, You got enough bullets to take these guys out, you know, enough arrows or whatever you want to, you know, what's our, what's our battle plan? You know, bring out the plans for battles in in the Valley of Rephaim. He didn't do any of that. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do what he did before. He, He immediately went to the Lord and asked the Lord's guidance in this matter. He did it again after he defeated them. They came out and regrouped and they came out. And and he didn't assume anything the second time they came out. Verse 12. Can you read verse 12? I mean, I'm sorry, brother.
0: Can you read uh, verse 13? And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley.
1: So after that initial victory that he listened to what the Lord said, he asked him two questions, and then the Lord says, yeah, go ahead and fight him. And he has a victory. The Philistines apparently went away for a few days and regrouped and came back. Mm -hmm. And and then it says in verse 14 that, therefore, David inquired again, right? Can you read that to us in verse 14?
0: Yes. Yes. Therefore, David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, go not up after them, turn away from them, and come upon them over against the mulberry tree.
1: Verse 15 says, and it shall be when you shall hear the sound, right? Go
0: ahead. Oh, and it shall be when thou shall hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that thou, that then thou shall go out to battle. For God is gone forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. Incredible.
1: Now, think of the uh, think of how God teaches his, his man here. First, he sees demonstrated in his heart that he's learned quickly. He's not going to do anything at this point. I'm going to ask God, because I didn't ask him before, and this is what happened, right? <laughs> Someone lost their life. Crisis moment. The nation could pretty much be split apart at this point if it wasn't for God keeping the hearts of men in allegiance to David at this point, because his leadership but his first act of leadership as, as as the king over the entire sovereign nation brought about death. <laughs> I mean, someone died because of what he thought, right? And, and 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 because it wasn't done properly. So it was a real crisis moment the enemy could have used, could have used. But but that you know, right? And so by the time we get to just a few days later a couple of weeks later, he's here and the Philistines come up to fight against him. In the valley of Rephaim, and and right away we see by the spirit of God, uh, David has already learned, and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't consult his captains, his thousands, his leaders, or anybody. He goes right to God and says, "Shall we go up and fight the Philistines? Or are you going to let me have a victory over them? I don't know, but we could even stop here and talk about the wounded nature of of growth in God when we make decisions that that that." that bear fruit that that is that's bad really you know david was wounded by this it says he was afraid to bring the ark of god to himself to his house and so in that interim it's not like he he went off and acted like an idiot he just went home and and he had to learn some things and it was done by an outside thing look at verse one can you read verse 1 to us, brother
0: Jeremiah? In the 14th chapter. Okay. 14. It says, okay. It says, now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and timber of C- cedars with masons and carpenters to build him a house. And what happened? And David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel for his kingdom, for his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people, Israel.
1: See, see, see how the Lord is? Praise God, man.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you don't think David left left that threshing floor of Shid- Shidon where Uzzah was dead? And then they carry the ark away into somebody else's house, and he leaves there thinking, how can I bring God's favor to my house?
2: Mm.
1: He's, he's doubting everything about himself, his his decision-making, his his weakness in knowing how to handle the presence of God, a great failure that brings about, uh, when examined, he, he's taught something, and Uzzah lost his life. It was really the judgment that came down upon that house as well. But it's very complicated in all the multiple issues that are being dealt with here. But when we go over into chapter 14 and, and he's he's away from the ark, it, it's beautiful to see in verse 2 that, that an outside Gentile, Hiram, King of Tyre, sends him. It's as if he gets flooded with blessing. <laughs> you know, here's some <laughs> cedar, here's some timber, here's some masons, here's some carbon. Do we want to build you a house? He learned so from that.
2: God. Hallelujah. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
2: <laughs> Oof, I don't know, man.
1: We serve an awesome God who knows how to deal <laughs> with his people. <laughs> yeah. You
2: know?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> he didn't crush him. He encouraged him. Yeah. yeah. You know, our human tendency is to go away and go, man, I'm a dog. (laughs) What did I do? You know Mm -hmm. know how the devil is, man. Right? You know how he is. (laughs) But (laughs) But God, even in blessing David, taught David, you know, here's a house, right? To build you a house. Even... I don't know. I know David didn't understand it at the moment, but he's a type of Christ, right? He would become a representation of the presence of God amongst the people, right? And so in this act of Hiram wanting to build him a house, David was like, my God, I was trying to bring God to, to my city, and I hadn't even built him a house. And here's this Gentile king who wants to build me a house. <laughs> it's just awesome, man. Because <laughs> he learned.
3: Right. Did, did Jesus say, you know, upon... This rock will I build my church. Great. And so many times we try to do it on our own. You know, that's why we get into messes. We're trying to build God's house and He's going to build his. This is a God thing yeah. right now. And he's gonna give us the instructions, but he needs to get us in a place where we'll listen. Right. You know, so many, so many times we're 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 so busy in religion so busy in and, and this and that and, and God has to bring a stop to everything as He has in this pandemic. You know, I, I remember you know we spoke about it like what if God took away everything he told us never to build? Right? Yeah. Like, what if he did that? Yeah. Well what what you know how much of it is us? You know, how much of it is the surveys we've taken in our churches to 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 see what the people want? The church to be mm-hmm. like you know some nice coffee and donuts and some some <laughs> uh, more youthful worship leaders and, and you know all kinds of youth right. programs and so forth and so on did, did god tell us to do that my lord because all is if, if we can see by the spirit you know the the spiritual carcasses that are laying all over our nation because of the mm-hmm. Yes, yeah that went about doing things their own way and mm-hmm. not God's way. Incredible. It is, brother. And and that is really powerful, what
1: you said. The spiritual carcasses. is that's a powerful descriptive way to say it. And really when it comes down to our own lives, right? If we consider our failures and, and what they've cost other people around us. See, David was afraid. Of God that day, rightfully so. And, and he was afraid to handle His presence. He even he showed His quality there, but he looked for a place. Praise
2: God!
1: <laughs> he looked for a place. He knew it
2: wasn't.
1: <laughs> it wasn't that place. He just took it out of. Uh, you know, there's something there, man, that he knew. He's I can't. I would have normally. I just talked to Sister Debbie about this the other day. I said, you know what? I would have taken it back. I would have said maybe i blew it and took it it was supposed to be where it is you know i mean he he's extraordinary this this man and i love him you know <laughs> i relate mm-hmm. to him and his failures not in his success <laughs> in his failures, like dude i probably would have done the same thing but anyway mm-hmm. um he, you know I, I see him there but but Verse 2 is what really has me choked up here right now because it, 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 it's so revealing what was going on in his heart. He was sick over it, man. And when you have the presence and then to lose it, you know, because that's how he felt. I mean, remember where he came from, brother. <laughs> he was No one even thought anything special about him, right? I mean, nobody thought this guy was going to amount to anything. When the prophet came to his daddy's house, they didn't even call him. (laughs) They didn't even think think much about him, right?
2: And then (laughs) the anointing... God help me.
1: The anointing changed everything for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? just like it has you listening out there, just like it has you, my brother. It changed everything. I once heard a brother preach a message, but uh, come with me to the sacrifice. And 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 he talked about it. I, I never understood. I was young when I heard it. I, you know, I didn't understand nothing, really. It was a great message. But I think about it now. This this precious man, David, it'd it, that anointing changed his whole life. It would take him and propel him right into the field of battle right away, and he would have a great success. Right, he would kill Goliath. Everything he touched seemed to to favor it. But the fact of the matter is, is he wasn't born, uh you know, in in the public eye uh, under nobility. There's questions as to exactly what happened when it came to his who his father was there's hints at that in psalm 51 where where he reminds god i was altogether shapen in iniquity there were rumors and and others scholars think that it's quite possibly that's why he wasn't included when samuel came to the house he was ostracized by his brothers we have accounts of that like when he came to the battlefield and they accused him of this and that and the other thing. Right. So there's, there's some real interesting roads here that, that, that work deeply into the psychic psyche of David to make up who he is and the many multiple things that, that are in us. When we take lessons from these things and we begin to see the path that God takes us on to get to this point in his life, um, you know it, 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 that anointing brought him to victory. Then it brings him into into places where he walks, brother. I mean, he's walking, he's out in the field with the sheep. And to just a few days later, after he's visited by the prophet and he pours the oil over him, he's now standing before the king. You know, in the field of battle, and and he goes down into that valley and he cuts off the head of Goliath, and his whole life
3: has changed. <laughs> and then he comes. You know, he's he's a, he's a little boy, right? He has no right. idea, you know, what <laughs> will transpire the moment that oil hit his head. Yeah, what's well, ahead God. of him? So that's you know, why I cried. You know, I think it way. was from 15 years, right? I think it was some from 15 years. Yes. Yeah. To the throne or something like that, you know. Yeah, 13 to uh,
1: 15, 13 yeah. to 15 years from that point on. Yes. Yeah. But not after after he would be rejected after he was accused of of seeing someone who wanted to take the throne i mean all these false accusations that were that were thrown at him not because he was david the shepherd but because he was david the anointed of god and and he knew how to worship he knew how to fight you know and he and he spent so many he spent almost 13 years running in the wilderness i mean six or seven years i don't know how many years though he was running and all that he went through So when he finally made king, I mean, we got to cut him some slack here, right? Because really brothers, all he's ever known is the kind of relationship because of the anointing and who he was before. God saw him. I've provided myself a king, he said. I've seen that ruddy young man out in the field. He's out there alone when no one sees me. And, and he's he's writing, he's,
2: he,
1: he sings to me.
2: <laughs>
1: Hallelujah. <laughs> and 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 if you read, I forget which psalm it is right now. It's, I don't know. I think it's 78, 79, somewhere in there, or maybe 89, somewhere in there, where it, it talks about the division between the house of Ephraim, which was Joshua's house, and the house of David. And he talks about David being the one that he chose. And it says, because the way he took care of the lambs. <laughs> The way he had a heart, even for the even for the you know the the most wounded of the lambs, and how he would lead them and guide them to water, i mean his his character that that God chose and saw, and so when we get here to first chronicles chapter fourteen, and we skipped a whole bunch of his history, but how could he have known but yet he remained himself uh it's beautiful in verse two when it's can you read verse two again to his brother German, yes,
0: first Chronicles. <clears throat> then david said none uh 15 or uh, 14 i mean right Chapter
1: 14,
2: 14. Two, yes
0: uh-huh yeah david perceived that the lord had confirmed him king over israel for his kingdom was lifted up on high because of his people israel praise god
1: well there's so much there but let's just look at that, that what he says is that david perceived that the lord had confirmed him and what that implies was that david at that moment of his life was really wondering he was really wondering man <laughs>
2: you
1: know have you ever been there <laughs> have you ever been there seriously people think about it where where we our actions our, our thoughts or whatever we do you know our failures there's always that time in between you know whether you wonder have I done did I blow it right I mean did I blow it I I know he had to been thinking that did I mess up (laughs) but God there's so much in here man I mean we could take so many different approaches to this but just this part where he says and David perceived that the Lord had confirmed him king over Israel there's so much in that statement is that he brought him encouragement he just left the ark at Obed Edom's house, wondering how in the world can I bring the presence to God, of God to my house. And here we have God telling him and, 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 and assuring him, it's going to be all right, son. I have called you. I have anointed you. It's going to be all right, mama. <laughs> I have heard your prayers, right? It's going to be all right, daddy. It will be as God moved on your heart. From point A to point B, you know, sometimes it is, it is incredibly tumultuous, but God has a way of taking every situation and working within each and every one of us, like he's trying to do now in our own personal lives and in the lives of his church that he loves. He's trying to assure us that he loves us. And and that's what happened to David. He perceived, which means that he needed to perceive. (laughs) He wasn't perceiving that at the moment, right? Uh, Or in that those few weeks. And it's interesting because once he understood that, then look what he does in verse three. Can you read verse three, Brother Jeremy?
0: Yes. And David took more wives at Jerusalem. And David begat more sons than daughters. Well, first
1: of all, for you weirdos out there, I'm not advocating uh, multiple wives.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my wife don't hit me when she hears this podcast. That's not
2: what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I'm kidding, man. No, I'm serious. Uh, what this represents is is is... A, re- a return and a res- restoration to fruitfulness in the things of God, right? Because he goes on and has sons and daughters. It's a beautiful thing, you know? What the enemy's after is is preventing you from being fruitful. And yes, it is a very serious thing, uh, you know, our, our journey with God and, and, and our highs, our lows, and everything in between. But here we see that that the Lord was teaching him, chastening him, yes, but teaching him as well. And and once he understood that God loved him and was with him and hadn't taken his presence from him, he becomes fruitful again, right? Sons and daughters. And immediately after that, we go into verse 8. Think of that, brothers. Can we Can we take five more minutes here? Listen to this. He becomes fruitful again. And then, after it it names his sons and daughters and all that that he's having, he's fruitful. The ark still isn't there, but but we're seeing the testing of Satan. Because now, what does he do? He stirs up the Philistines. When? In
0: verse 8, right? Yeah. And, And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, All the Philistines went up to seek David, and David heard of it and went out against them.
1: And he brings it, and and look where they chose to locate themselves. Read that in verse 9.
0: And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim.
1: In the valley of the giants. That's where they came. It speaks of that intimidating Thing. He didn't send a little devil, he sent a whole army against him, and here is the wisdom of God and the development of God and oh that we could get there because that's where we need to get but individually right david he he's been restored, he perceives God has made him king he hasn't taken his anointing from him Yes, a horrible thing has happened, but he had this tremendous gift from God to be able to put away those things those failures, those defeats, when it was brought in line and he was quick to learn the lessons. This is why God says he's a man after my own heart. You know, I don't have to, like, beat him over the head for years before he gets it, right? He, he has such a pliable heart. Why? Because he loved God. At the very, very depths of who he was, he loved God. No matter what. Even when he sinned with Bathsheba and he had Uriah killed, my God, if you go read it, man, I mean, it's insane what he did. Even then, he, he 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 replies in Psalm 51, he starts talking about, you know, my bones were, were hurting, man, I was sick. I felt horrible, you know, uh, and yet publicly he looked like everything was okay, but inside he was dying. That's the kind of heart he had because he loved God. And, and here we see uh, God, you know, assuring him, I'm with you. He then becomes fruitful. The ark still hasn't come, right? I mean, there's still things to do. But before that was going to happen, as he's being fruitful again, it's interesting what Brother Jeremy read in verse eight. The Philistines hear about it, and 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 that's how the devil is, right? When you begin to recover, when you begin to to, to show signs, and it wasn't just that that you have you're, you're attaining victory in the things of God. Uh, that's what the devil does. It wasn't just that they uh, uh, why they came against him was this. It says, and when the Philistines heard that David was anointed the king over all Israel, that's when they went up to seek him, to seek his life, because he's being fruitful, and now he's functioning as in the in the office that God made him to function in. They're gonna come against him, just like they come against us. It always happens, brothers. It always happens. You that are listening out there, what you're going through is a result of the fact that that God loves you and he hasn't taken his presence from you. He has a mission and a purpose for every single one of us. And don't think it's strange that once you become fruitful and once you begin to bear fruit, that, that's exactly when the enemy comes out. And not only does he come out, he comes out against you in the Valley of Rephaim, brother. <laughs> Do you see? He, he will always come and stand in the place Uh, uh, where the giants are that is the the biggest obstacles that you've dealt with your whole life david initially started at the beginning by overcoming a great giant right goliath he returns to they come out against him in that place of the valley of the giants whatever that big thing that you overcame in your life he's not going to be able to defeat you there anymore but he'll come there He'll contest it right there. You don't hear what I'm saying, do you? <laughs> oh, man. He, he'll contest you right there, man. But you see, David already learned something. Praise God. And sometimes we got to go through this cycle over and over and over again. I'm trying to encourage someone again. Again, Friday was about being led of the Spirit. Today's the same thing. You know, when I kept telling you all early on in our Bible study here, I don't want to start on going here because I know what this is going to lead to, you know, as far as looking at the personal aspect. But I think maybe that's what we need to look at as we keep going forward because we're going to need all these adjustments, right? Because I feel it in my spirit right now. I really do. And I want to encourage you. You know, he was anointed king. And they went to seek him. And they went to seek him in the Valley of uh, uh, of Rephaim. They spread themselves out in the Valley of Rephaim, the Valley of the Giants. That's where they went. And they looked intimidating. But see, David did something that he didn't do in the beginning of this, this story we've been looking at. This time he inquires of God. Asking him permission, shall I go up? He didn't do that when he first went to get the ark, right? He consulted everybody else but God. And then he went up to go get it. This is such a beautiful and amazing thing because he's learned. Oh God, that we would learn. That we would really understand the beauty of what you reveal about your servants. And the kind of God that he really is. God who, who has not spared his only son for us. The the devil will try to, to kill you, man. He'll try to he'll try to bring you down. You know, David's being fruitful now. Early on, after he takes the ark to Obed-Edom's house, and after he went through, and then he perceives, which lets us know what he was actually going through in his heart, and he understands, and then he becomes fruitful. Then comes the resistance right away. Only this time it's to take his life. These are subtle hints of spiritual warfare, if you can hear what we're saying. David goes up and says, shall I go up? He's now functioning in the wisdom that God has given him. And he seeks God's advice. And And then he says, will you deliver them into my hand? Why would he ask that? It's an interesting question, isn't it? You would think the first question is, shall I go up? Against the Philistines would have the second question implied in it. But I think, brothers... Oh, my gosh. Lord help me. (laughs) I think he was thinking of Saul when he fought the Philistines. I think he was thinking about him because he died in a battle, thinking that he would have victory. He died with his son, Jonathan. And, you know, you know the story, right? That's how David came to be king. I think his question is so wiser, shall I go up against them? And will you deliver them into my hand? I'm not going to assume anything, right? It's incredible. We haven't got time. We've been going now for an hour and 20 minutes. We ain't got time to dig into that. But ask God to help us develop this kind of quality from this precious, precious King of God. And the Lord said unto him, go up. I will deliver them into your hands. Praise God. And then we see him again in verse 14. Only this time, it's a different way, right? In verse 14, David says, he inquires again of the Lord. When they regathered and then they came back against him, he says unto him, don't go up. Turn away from them and come against over against the where the mulberry trees are. And it's my spirit that's going to go before you. Right. Hallelujah. You won't even have to lift.
2: Oh my God.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes. Hallelujah. (laughs)
1: Glory to God that we could get to that place. Right. Right. Where it's God. God will go out and destroy them all you know enough's enough he he says enough's enough you ain't even gonna have to fight this david you know yeah you're gonna actually go out and you know take them on but actually the battle's already won my spirit will go before you praise god david inquired again he didn't assume right that it was going to be the same way he had another temptation here you know the devil left him for a season but he came back right but and they spread them themselves in the same place in the in the valley, and David inquires again. He is so wise, brother. He is such a beautiful human being. <laughs> oh, we learn so much from, him. and and the and to be so sensitive to the things of the Lord that that he knew precise instruction. His instructions are getting more and more precise, if you notice here, which leads to. After these battles, he 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 now knows by experience and so many other elements that God throws in the mix when He develops all of us, it 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 flowers in such a beautiful, you know, mature and wonderfully seasoned uh, leader of God, and that translates into our own life, man. Whether whether you're called to be a king or whether you're you're just a, a mom or a dad, you know, raising your family. It doesn't matter. The principles are the same. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is how he prepares us. This is how he develops us. And when he when He reaches those places like David did, now he's ready for, for the presence of God to come in a tent that he's now well-equipped. Prepare for the for the Lord, I think that's what God's doing for all of us right now. We're all in different places and journeys, and we're all being examined, instructed, worked on whatever it may be, but when He's done we will be we'll be ready to have His presence come to our house as it were, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything you'd like to share before we close?
0: Please do. What a way to start our Monday, you know? Reflecting on all these things. And I was thinking about when you were talking about David, how the devil had tempted him left and then came back again, right? Yeah. And that's the same thing that happened to Jesus. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, and the Bible says that he left him for a season.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: yes. where, where, wherever the Wherever the presence of God is, there's always an enemy lurking you know and we have to be mindful of that uh that the, the temptations are not just of the bad it's of the good as we spoke a few weeks ago right when we used the 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 example in our podcast of of how satan tricked <laughs> um adam and eve deceived them yeah. with the good of the tree you know and so uh, what a reflection you know I sense his presence throughout this uh, podcast I believe the Lord speaking to us and all those that are listening and, and and just seeing the mercy of God how even through our mess ups he's he's faithful and and uh, whenever we learn from our mistakes he that's all he wants to do is correct us but you know never you know destroy us right <laughs> praise, praise the God. Lord yeah. I hope you can join us tomorrow We're looking forward to uh, another time in the word of God, and uh, we pray that the Lord will bless you, and he will keep you, and as always, keep looking
2: up.